You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Jim Dish with the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office. Happy to be with you on Relevant Radio, 930 and 950 AM. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights of our Catholic Chicago radio programs that air throughout the week. Holy Name Cathedral Rector, Father Greg Sackwitz, and his Planning and Development Assistant, Mark Teresi, got our broadcast week off to a great start. They wanted our listeners to know about Mary Seat of Wisdom and Park Ridge, and that parish's partnership with a priest from Zambia to establish a parish in the harsh wilderness of Africa. There's even a film titled Labor of Love that documents this effort. Let's listen to Father Greg and Mark speaking with three players most involved in this initiative. Mary Seat of Wisdom Parish in Park Ridge, which happens to be my home, home parish, parish, with my first Mass back in uh, May of 1979. Well, Mary Seat of Wisdom is partnering with a priest from Zambia to establish a parish in the harsh wilderness of Africa. A film entitled Labor of Love, documenting this partnership, premiered at the Pickwick Theater in Park Ridge. Now, there's a place, uh, a landmark in Park Ridge, the Pickwick Theater, last September. There'll be another screening of the documentary at the Anthenium Theater in Chicago on Saturday, February 1st at 7 p.m. Our guest in studio, great friend, Father Jerry Gunderson, a great priest and pastor of the Archdiocese, pastor of Mary Seat of Wisdom for 15 years now, going back many, many years. Also with in studio, Father Wilfred Peary, a priest of the Diocese of Chipata, Zambia, and Kubalashkevich of Road 28 Productions. So to uh, Jerry and Wilfred and Kuba, welcome to the program this morning. Good morning. Yes, welcome. I can't believe, Jerry, you've been at Mary Seat of Wisdom 15 years. I can't believe it either. <laughs> and, it's been a great run. And also remember, Jerry, you and I go back. I met you in November of 1970. I was a senior at Notre Dame High School. You were a junior, I think, at Niles College Seminary. I walked into the dorm. Father Finnegan brought me in, introduced me to you. Is that correct? That's correct. And then you kind of showed me around the cubes. You realize that's right. I was 50 years ago? Tour guide for you. Yeah, you were a tour guide. A tour guide 50 years ago uh, when I was still thinking about coming to the college seminary. That's a half a century. And uh, so to listen... Jerry, maybe will or Wilfred or Cuba, tell us about this partnership with this uh, community in Zambia. I saw the trailer; it's fascinating. So, talk a little bit of history. So, F- Father Wilfred came to uh, Chicago to study at Catholic Theological Union between 2009 and 2011, and it was during that time that we became friends. When he returned to Zambia, he asked to be assigned to the area of the Chiqua Parish, where actually uh, the diocese wanted to establish a parish, but there was no Catholic presence until he arrived. And it was during that time that uh, we formed a partnership to assist him in building up the parish from scratch. It's uh, taken place over five years. Uh, The uh, We have focused on the Chiqua Parish and its needs every year during our Lenten almsgiving program. Father Wilfred, how did you um, connect with Father Jerry? I mean, that's an interesting friendship that seemed to develop. 
When I came to Chicago in 2009, uh, I noticed that uh, Chicago is completely different from Zambia, where I came from. And uh, I still loved my priesthood. So, Wilfred, how so? How so totally different? In almost everything. Infrastructure, <laughs> is, infrastructure, infrastructure is very different. Uh, it's like uh, we are maybe a hundred years apart. So uh, I still wanted to preserve my priesthood. My desire was to go back uh, to Zambia as an active priest. Uh, an active priest. So I called the uh, office of the intern at the Archdiocese. Uh, that time that was Father Jerry Boland. I asked for someone to accompany me as a spiritual companion, a spiritual director. So after some time, he thought I, maybe I had um, a crisis. I was going through oh. a crisis. <laughs> um, but later on, he still provided, and the person I got was Father Jerry. So uh, from that time, we met once every month the last, the, the, for the two years I was here. Wonderful. And in Cuba, how do you fit into this whole picture with Father Gunderson and with uh, Wilfred? Well, it was a uh, coincidence or maybe a uh, will of God that... Uh, you know, you, I, it's interesting. The word coincidence, here's a thing. Um, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Yes, Very that's good. Great line. Yeah. I love that word coincidence. Go ahead, Kuba. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, no I take that, back. I'm not a, sorry. That's, that's, that's a great... Uh, yeah, didn't put, uh, so we just attended the Mass. Uh, it was early uh, uh, for us. Uh, we just became parishioners at Mother Seat of Wisdom. And uh, Father uh, Bozani happened to be addressing uh-huh. the uh, people, and we were so moved by his description of what is going on, though, and, and uh, the involvement of our parishioners in, in the beginning of helping the uh, community in Zambia, that uh, as filmmakers, we were immediately interested in, hey, how about going there and, and you know, showing it on the film, how this whole collaboration uh, and, and connection developed between our TICWAP community and, and medicine. Well, Jerry, let me ask you this, and that is uh, from what Kuba's talking about. You got up before the community at all the masses and talked about this possible partnership? Yeah, actually, it goes back to uh, 2014. Uh, I was uh, had a sabbatical, and I spent uh, the Holy Week and Triduum in uh, one of the parishes with Father Wilfred in Zambia. And it was because of what I witnessed firsthand, uh, the lack of transportation, the difficulty of getting water, um, that made me want in some way to provide support. So uh, we, that was when we began the Lenten campaigns. And that was back in 2014 or 2015? 2014, it goes back to, yes. Kuba, you are a filmmaker. You tell stories. Tell us about... What story did you see? I mean, you're a creative person. You, you as a parishioner heard the story of this parish wanting to grow. But what triggered the creative piece for you? Well, it was who? Because we are uh, together with, with my uh, wife, Kinga. We are uh, also 
partnership uh, in in uh, the permanent company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, don't forget Kinga. <laughs> yes. So so she was actually the one uh, who put that into making this film. And as for the story, uh, it was really difficult to uh, imagine what we are going to see. And we had some expectations, but uh, what we actually saw is, is completely What did beyond. you see? L- let's tell people what you saw because we want them to come see this movie on February 1st at the Athenaeum, and you got to give them a little bit of a teaser in terms of what, did, what are they going to see that you saw? Well, it is uh, the area that is so far away from any kind of civilization oh. that uh, it is the most remote part of this planet that I've ever visited. And, and uh, I've been in South America. Uh, in, in so you've traveled a lot. Yeah, I traveled a lot. And, and this is by, by far the most remote area. And, and one of the first uh, things that came to my mind uh, after just one day uh, in Chico Parish was how will I find the correct words in vocabulary to describe what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Because when you use the word like the road, we imagine the road, okay, it's off-road, but you can't imagine what kind of off-road it is until you get there. And when we travel by car, it's a, it's a very sturdy uh, pickup truck. And you're it, d- dealing with a lot of um, mud roads. You're not dealing with high p- uh, paved highways. No, we are, we are talking about, uh, I don't know how Father Bozani is navigating this uh, area because there are no marks. Uh, you are just driving in the middle of the bush. Through the bush. And he somehow remembers, uh, I don't know, the trees <laughs> or any. <laughs> there are no landmarks, really. Wow. And and to travel the distance of like two miles, sometimes it takes about half an hour. Wow. Because you have to travel through so difficult terrain. So next, uh, we're talking about visiting the clinic. So you have some imagination. Okay, it's going to be very humble. But how humble it is is beyond our expectation. Now, this is the court hospital, the clinic? Oh, it's called... Clinic, but it's just a, a humble building with with uh, rooms with basically no medical equipment whatsoever. Now stop right there, Jerry. You know you were born and raised in Chicago, and uh, been a priest of the archdiocese for you know forty some years. What was your take going over there the first time? Were you um, what were your expectations, and what was the reality? I went specifically during Holy Week because I wanted to celebrate. Easter with the community, there were 60 people baptized that night and having their marriage blessed. Uh, So I saw the church in action. Mm -hmm. Wow. What I would like to say is I think this is a story of human development and spiritual development. One of the things that most uh, inspires me by Father Wilfred is that uh, he understands that the development of the people and their uh, life livelihood is just as important as the spiritual de- development. Both are happening side by side. 
And by human development, I mean things like uh, clean water, uh, adequate food. The basics. Protection mm-hmm. from animals, mm-hmm. uh, transportation. Those are the things that we've tried to focus on each year uh, with a different focus. Now, along those lines, though, uh, Father Wilfred, and that is you were born in Zambia, baptized Catholic as a child, as an infant. Correct. And then what made you move your heart to enter the seminary for priesthood? I was um, incited, to say, by one of the missionary priests who came from Canada at that time. Uh, he was so close to us. Um, and the, at the end of my school, um, he s- just said, Wilfred, can you consider becoming a priest? How we're, old were you at the time? Aging. I was like um, 18. He's uh, saying, we need some people to replace us. I never thought so much about it. And then um, at the time I, I finished school, I said, oh, let me also go this way. But then there were two things, whether to become a religious brother or a priest. Oh, yeah. uh, because the brothers were visiting uh, my school more often than a priest. So, um, but I, the problem was the brothers did not say mass. I wanted to say mass. Interesting. So, <clears throat> that's how I, I, I went for the Dawson priesthood. Father Jerry, tell us how about this movie, February 1st, at the Athenaeum, which is right by St. Alphonsus over there. Tell us, give us specifics for our listeners. So the title of the movie is Labor of Love, and it airs at 7 p.m. on Saturday, February 1st, at the Athenaeum Theater. Uh, Tickets can be obtained through the Athenaeum Theater. That's www.athenaeumtheater.org. Spell Athenaeum. Spell Athenaeum, A-T-H-E-N-A-E-U-M, theater.org. Telephone number for more information is 773-935-6875. The number once again, Jerry. 773-935-6875. And how much are tickets? Tickets are $11. Uh, the, all proceeds from the uh, movie will be devoted to building up Chiqua Parish. Wonderful. Again, now you can ask Wilfred your question. Yes. Father Wilfred, why did you take this assignment? I felt um, I was empowered. When I came here for studies, I did my master's uh, uh, in theology with the intercultural uh, studies and the ministry as my uh, area of concentration. I thought uh, I needed to use this uh, while the difference is so huge between us in Zambia and, and Chicago, I still thought that Chicago has changed because there are people who invested a lot. And by sending me for studies, I think the diocese was investing in me so that um, I can inject some change in, a, in, 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 in whatever possible way. I was coming to this new parish, uh, which was, is very challenging. I was a diocesan a pastoral coordinator, meaning I worked in the curia of the diocese. I was the, the episcopal vicar for this region of the valley. And going to live and work in this remote area called Chikwa was very challenging, but I accepted it. I thought, if not me, who? Wow. Uh, because I thought I was uh, well equipped. I was, uh, some investment was done in me. So I still accepted. And um, it is really out of love and for the sake of love that uh, 
I felt compelled to do my very best in a vi- this challenging uh, situation. Now, Father Wilfred, you were ordained a priest in what year? In, to, in 1996, on the uh, 18th of August. So you've been a priest now 23 years plus. Correct. God bless you. That's mm-hmm. uh, marvelous. Let me ask you this, Kuba. Going to, and this also for uh, Father Jerry, going to Zambia and doing the documentary, how did the filming and being with the people ch- uh, touch and affect and change your life? Uh, well, again, I can't describe it. It is, it is on so many levels in my spiritual life and in my uh, perception of the world. And uh, we chant, both me and my wife, uh, we say that our life is now before Chikwa and after Chikwa because we are chanted in so wow. many levels. Wow. Interesting. How about you, Vajiri? When I turn on the water in the morning to brush my teeth, mm-hmm. I don't leave the water running anymore. I try to conserve water, and that, I think, is the direct impact of realizing that people walk miles and miles to fetch water and uh, I have it right at my fingertips. I'm you know, reading a book uh, about, co- we talked about coincidence early on, but the book's about, in any coincidence, God is winking at you. Um, and I kind of hear from each of your stories, God's winking at you. Think of how he brought all of you together. Has it changed your idea of church or how we are together as a universal church? Or, uh, how about for you, Jerry? Yeah, I think that I have a much better sense of the global church. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, I think part of the gift that we've received as a parish is to see the lively faith, uh, the joy of the people uh, in Zambia, despite their difficult circumstances. Uh, there's a, a real spirit of faith and joy. Uh, their liturgies are, include music and dancing and uh, very much inspire. Mm-hmm. Wilfred? If for me, um, I really see that um, this partnership that began between two people, um, to grow to this extent is not our making. Uh, it's someone who is in charge, who is greater than us. Mm-hmm. Because um, having accepted this challenging responsibility, I didn't know how things were going to work out. I just said, here I am. Come what may, I'm going to do what I'm able to do. But I see things are so much falling in place that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It, the thing is that uh, now, when you went over there, Kuba, uh, along with uh, Kinga, anybody else go from Mary City of Wisdom community with you to uh, Zambia beside Father Jerry, or is it just the three of you? No, just three of us. And, uh, and uh, if I can add uh, mm-hmm. to this... Uh, description how it changed my perception of church. I, I believe that after Zambia, I see clearly that the church is actually the community of people and the distance, like Father Jerry said in the film, has nothing to do with it. And, and people who are so far away from Parkridge Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the deep bush of Zambia are at the same time so close to the hearts of our parishioners that this church 
it's one church. It's, it's the, the church in Parkridge and Zambia. It's, it's just one community. Interesting. Beautiful, beautiful. I also would like to say that um, the the mission that we've taken up is very much part of Pope Francis's mission. I think he inspires this. uh, uh, When he talks about uh, the church being a field hospital for the broken and or that... uh, the church needs to be of the poor and with the poor. Mm-hmm. That, that I think that's inspired me to stay connected. In a way beyond, world. Jerry, the uh, boundaries of Mary's state of wisdom or the archdiocese to the, the global community. Father Jerry, so I bet some of your parishioners are listening from Mary's state of wisdom. It sounds like oh, it sounds like this has caught fire with them. Could you want to say anything to your parishioners in terms of how they've? accepted this new um, relationship? You know, one of the aspects of the film is that we included interviews with parishioners at Mary's Seat of Wisdom. And I think that those interviews reveal to me how much the people of the parish have taken to heart uh, the mission of supporting Chiqua Parish. Uh, the generosity is just amazing. Mary Seat of Wisdom has always struck me as a very generous mm-hmm. parish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a yes. parish reaching beyond boundaries, uh, but in this particular area, uh, they have just grown more and more generous. Last Lent, we focused on six basic human needs, and each week we had a different video about a specific need, like water, food, animal conflicts, and um, the response was just overwhelming. We were able to raise over $70,000 uh, wow. During Lent last year? During Lent, just during Lent last wow. year. So I, I would just like parish. to express my deep gratitude to the people of Mary Seat of Wisdom and, and uh, to just say thank you for the generosity that you've Jerry, shown. that's an amazing amount of money it really in a is. short time. Yeah. That's incredible. And also, it's interesting, uh, Wilfred, how you came to this country to a, was a Catholic Theological Union Correct. to study and how... And then you lived, been living, you were living at Mary Seat of Wisdom. No, uh, I lived with, uh, by that time it was Father Mark Bartosik, now the auxiliary bishop, mm-hmm. Vicariate too. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was uh, in, Oh, I thought you were actually staying part of the time at Mary Seat of Wisdom in the rectory. Now. No, yeah, now. Now, When, yeah, when now. I come to visit, sure, come yes. to visit. It, uh, but look at how you came to study to the United States in Chicago and how your life has been touched but then the lives of Mary's state of wisdom has been touched going back. So it's, it's amazing. It's how God works in marvelous, incredible ways. Mm-hmm. It is, and uh, to just see how um, once w- one person's generosity can extend to touch and benefit mm-hmm. so many people, this yeah. is really um, amazing. Uh, right now, I feel like I went to this area, but I'm not alone. And this gives me a very good feeling. I'm in it, but not alone, because I have so many people near and far with me. I, I am extremely grateful to the Bishop Mark for the opportunity he gave me to study, because that was the beginning. And then uh, Father Jerry, but the whole community at Mary City of Wisdom, <clears throat> for accepting to be disturbed with the existence of Chikwa Parish. Um, in in order for them to get involved, involved 
it means there's a kind of disturbance and they reacted positively to that. This is very special. They had the opportunity to say, to, to remain indifferent, mm-hmm. but they thought of getting involved and this is a great and special blessing to us. I see Kuba keeps uh, shaking his head yes to all that you're saying. We have less than one minute. Again, Jerry, give us the date, the time, how to obtain tickets for February 1. Saturday, February 1st at 7 p.m. at the Athenaeum Theater. Uh, Tickets are available through their website, www.athenaeumtheater.org or by calling 773-935-6875. The number once again. And tickets are available at 773-935-6875. Tickets are $11 per person. And once again, the next screening of the documentary Labor of Love is scheduled for tonight at 7 p.m. at the Athenaeum Theater in Chicago. Next up, a couple of Catholic Charities guests who help drive their mobile outreach program back after a short break. We're betting that you'll have a great time at the 13th Annual Charities Royale Casino Night on Saturday, February 15th. The payoffs will be huge when you come and enjoy an evening of blackjack, roulette, auctions, raffles, live music, and more at the Chicago Cultural Center. Proceeds benefit Catholic Charities Family Stabilization Services, emergency food, clothing, and other supplies that help families in crisis. We are not bluffing. You won't need any beginner's luck to have a grand time at this casino night. There is no limit to the fun. It will be a full house on February 15th, so ante up and buy your tickets today at catholiccharities.net slash casino night. Are you looking for a new employment opportunity where you can use your skills and experience to make a positive impact? Do you want to be part of an organization filled with talented people who are committed every day to an important mission? Then you belong at Catholic Charities. We are proud to be one of the largest nonprofit agencies in the Midwest responding to individual, family, and community needs with compassionate and professional services that restore hope and build better futures. We offer a competitive benefits package, and we are always looking for dedicated individuals to become part of the team. To see our current list of available job opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net and click on the About Us tab. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Jim Dishy, the Archdiocese of Chicago's radio TV office, with highlights of local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning at 750 a.m. Catholic Charities Mobile Outreach Program does amazing work on the streets of Chicago, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. This past week, Voice of Charity co-hosts Marie Jokum and Michael Bear visited with Akeisha Dykes and Mary Johnson, two members of the outreach team. Good morning and welcome to The Voice of Charity. As all our regular listeners know, Catholic Charities provides a wide array of services from meeting basic needs like food, clothing, and shelter to helping people find new and empowering futures through counseling, longer-term case management, and employment training. Absolutely, Michael. And the reason we mention this is because we're going to take you today on a ride with two of our extraordinary staff members who work in our mobile outreach team. 
The mobile outreach program is one of our most innovative programs at Catholic Charities. Um, and it's also one of our uh, programs that never stops. So these yeah. folks work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year um, through outreach teams dispatched to respond to non-life-threatening requests for assistance. So what that means is in the city of Chicago, if you call 311 and you're looking for shelter, senior well-being checks, if there's a crisis, if there is a fire, if there's a relocation needed, so those five things, you call 311 and you get our fabulous mobile outreach team. Um, so we're really excited to talk to two of uh, the team members today. Yeah, it's really interesting. On Sunday, uh, I was sitting on a date with my wife when news of Kobe Bryant's helicopter crash broke. And my first thoughts, obviously, were, man, that is just so tragic. Um, I thought about my own loved ones, my own family. But then my next thought was actually about today's show. I thought, why do we only care about people when they're gone? And then it made me excited to talk to these two folks today um, who do the opposite every day. They run two needs. Um, they value life before it's too late. And so we're excited to welcome uh, and hear the two stories of an average day of Lakeisha Dykes and Mary Johnson this morning, two compassionate women on this team who never know what they're going to encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, <laughs> but they're always ready, willing, and able to help people with whatever their needs are, and we admire them very much for that. So welcome, Lakeisha and Mary. Thank you. Thank you. So maybe we can start by asking uh, each of you how long you've worked for Catholic Charities in this role and what initially interested you about taking a position like this. Good morning. Uh, I have been working with Catholic Charities for five and a half years. I'm interested in working and love my job, what I do, because I enjoy helping others. And it gives me so much pleasure knowing that I did that. Um, hi, um, I've been with Catholic Charities for six and a half years, and I kind of want to piggyback off of what Mary said. Um, helping people is the number one goal, um, and so that's why we chose this field. That's amazing. And, and just from the, we just met right before the show, um, but I can feel all immediately how warm and how professional and how, um, how much you know about your job. So could you share a little bit with us, either Lakeisha or Mary, share a little bit about what kind of training that you and your other teammates received to be able to do this important work? Um, well, a lot of us have um, CPR training, okay. um, and then we get um, a course in how to uh, speak to the clients, um, find out the resources that we have here at Catholic Charities to help the clients, and then we go on uh, kind of like a ride-along okay. um, with some more someone who's been at Catholic Charities um, longer than us and to give us um, a better understanding of the job. That's great. So do each of the individual teams have a specific territory that you respond to calls in, or could you end up anywhere in the city of Chicago on a, on a daily basis? Well, we each team have a specific area that we, we, we go to. One might have north side, one have east side or west side. But in day to day, it can change. It varies. And are you with each other as partners always, or is it just whoever's Lakeisha working? Lakeisha and I was partners a while ago, but no, we switched uh, partners just so everyone can get to know each other. Too much power on one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I go with that one. Yeah. I, I also imagine people may call in asking for the two of you, yeah. so yeah. you got to separate that, share the love. Yes. So are you also seeing people uh, on the side of the road as you're driving that maybe you potentially serve, or do you have to wait for a call to respond? Um, yes, we do. 
Um, we do sweeps of the city. So when we don't have a call, we all are assigned to sweep. And what that means is that we go to police station or hospitals. We can stop under Vidoc. If we see someone in distress as far as seeming like they may be homeless and seeking shelter, then we'll ask and try to service them the best way we can. So how does that work on a daily basis? Is it more or most of the uh, responses you're doing to calls or are most of your responses to sweeps? It's equally, because if we have a downtime, then we do sweep. We go from hospital to hospital or police station. So it's a a downtime. So it's varies. That's amazing. I I didn't realize that part of this program, and that makes a lot of sense as you're you're driving through the city. I know one of the things I'll hear is people say, you know, I saw someone over here on this viaduct. They might need some help, and I know we often call 311 to see if they can do a a check on that. How quickly are you able to respond to those calls? You've got vans, and they're quick, but there's no sirens. So how quickly are you able to respond to say when a call comes in? Um, It depends. Um, It it varies. It depends on where we are located at the time that we get a call. It depends on the traffic. It depends on the weather condition. But we try to be very efficient in getting to the location. That's why the teams have sized the town so we can narrow down um, the area that we have to travel. So it varies. Do you ever respond? um, Do you ever feel like you respond too late? Do you ever feel like there's a a burden to – obviously there's a burden to rush because we care about people and we want to to serve their needs. But do you ever feel like you got to a situation too late and maybe someone has left or they're not there? We we have had times where we have gotten there and someone's left, but it's not basically because we got in there too late. They would let us know, the police officer would say, well, this client came in and decided to leave or this client made a phone call and someone else picked them up. So, like, what's the first thing you say to a client then when you pull up? They've obviously made a call or someone's made a call on their behalf. How do you, how do you handle that initial interaction with, with a client? Well, first of all, we get our cases, so I know what exactly what this client is needed. Is it needed a shelter or if it just needed some a different program? So when I come in, I would just definitely pronounce them by their name, uh, Mr. or Miss. And then I introduce myself and where I'm from and let them know that all uh, the programs that's available or the shelter that's available for them. It all depends on the case. So you kind of know what that case is before you show up. Is that Yes, because we get our cases before we go out in the field. So we can read and know, okay, this person is looking for shelter. This is a well-being check or this is a senior well-being check. So we know exactly what our cases is. Now, we can be in the field also and get cases called to us and letting us know that we need to go to this hospital to pick up this individual. So when you meet that person, what um, what if someone says that they're not interested in help? So what if they say to you, no, thank you? What can you kind of do to help them either accept that service and come with you? Or, you know, maybe they're afraid, maybe they're uncertain. How, how do they do that? Force is not a... Of course, it's not an option. So what we do is we, when if they say they're not, they not interested in a program, they don't want. We'll just let them know of some of the programs that is out there for them, and it may be beneficial for them. And then if they don't want to go, we cannot force them. Sure. We cannot force them. What if it isn't an issue of they don't want to go? What if it's an issue of you come up upon someone who's maybe hostile or unstable in some way? How do you uh, interact with those folks in those situations where maybe there's danger or? Um. We do an assessment 
and um, the city of Chicago has it set up where we pick up the individuals in police stations and hospitals. So it's a safe environment where we can assess the client. If they need medical treatment, we can get someone to assist us. If they're, hosp- um, if they're hostile, then we can get the police officers or security officers to assist us. So that's why it's set up for a safe place for us to assess the clients. How often do you think that happens where, if, if you had to guess on an average day or in an average week, how many of the calls that you respond to do you feel unsafe when you're serving someone? I believe it's a it's a lot of the calls that we can them, yeah. that we feel unsafe. But like Lakeisha says, we usually go to a safe place. Well, if we feel that they harm to self or others, we know to call nine one one and we get assistance that way. Right. Well, obviously, you guys aren't ghosts. You're you're uh, you have checks and balances. You're part of a program. Um, like, what kind of paperwork is involved in this type of like like what are you having to do along with just picking up clients? We have we have assessment intakes forms that we use and during that time we talk to the clients about what their needs are or where have they been or what type of shelter or whatever they have ever been in before. So our intake forms help us out a lot that's provided by Catholic Charity. Lakeisha, if we could ask you to share a little bit about what that looks like when you're responding to a senior well-being check or a fire. How, what is What happens for people who don't know about it? Okay, um, well with the fire, Um, We go out to provide transportation. Once everything is dealt with with Red Cross and and the uh, apartment where they're located and things of that nature. So what we do is offer transportation to another family member's house, a hotel. And if they don't have anywhere to go, then we supply a shelter. Okay. Yeah, we supply shelter to the client if they need it. So we're here kind of for all aspects, transportation um, for the fire, that's amazing. I think, you know, when that's that's a true crisis, and I think a lot of us, you know, we know Red Cross responds, but it sounds great that the city of Chicago and Catholic Charities can step in and fill in those pieces where other people cannot. Yes. Right. Um, Mary, how about a, a senior well-being check? What does that look like? Well, when we go on a senior well-being check, it's usually someone, uh, maybe a family member or just a neighbor, have called into 311 and said that they did not, they have not seen this individual. Could be days, could be weeks, uh, and they have plenty of mail around their house. So what we do, we would go out and we are check the surroundings of the house, and if we notice that there is mail or it do look like the grass has not been cut or the snow is up really high, and we try to ring the bell, and if there's no answer, we have to call 911 if we believe that there could be an issue inside the house. And I think that goes back to one of the earlier questions about your training. You you all are really cross-trained in so many ways exactly. to respond to crisis. I think that's incredible. Yes. How about a relocation? What would a relocation call look like with a client? Um, a relocation is usually when a client is already placed somewhere and they simply just need a ride. So we will confirm where they're trying to go and we'll be glad to take them. And we take them to the shelter or it could be to a family member's house. It could be to a treatment center. Um, individuals sometimes have substance abuse problems and they want to get into um, a detox program. So as long as we could confirm, then we're glad to transport. And I know crisis was one of the five areas, too, and fire obviously feels like a crisis. But what is the difference uh, in terms of how you respond to calls between fire and a crisis? What would a crisis call be? A crisis is someone that may be out in the street, someone that may be sleeping in a tent or to that aspect, or someone who's standing on a corner and don't have a coat on. Mm-hmm. So that's more or less like a crisis. And we would go to them and ask them if we can give them shelter, or can we give you a coat, or can we— if any type of way that we can assist and help you. As far as the fire is concerned, um, 
311 will put it in after. So a crisis is immediate. Um, they get some help before we get to a fire. So okay. we're kind of the last ones on scene uh, when it comes to a fire because then we're going to do the transportation sure. Sure. and we're going to relocate them to the hotel and to the family member's house. Uh, yeah, obviously yeah. the fire department will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Lakeisha, what are the most important qualities as a person, do you think, for you, someone like you to have to serve on the mobile outreach team? Like what, what aspects of your character and personality make you a great fit for this job? Um, number one, you have to have compassion. Yeah. Um, and you have to have patience. You never know who you're going to interact with. So you have to be able just to take your time, assess the situation, and have a caring heart. How about you, Mary? I had to piggyback on exactly what Keisha said as well, yeah. but I also think you have to have respect for others. Mm. Respect the individual. I think that respect and that dignity piece and that compassion piece are what we strive to do at Catholic Charities across the board. And I think when you're in a crisis, that's sometimes even harder to do. Um, and I, I know, you know, in this, you mentioned a couple of other partners that you work with. So who, what are some of those other partners? I know we said the city of Chicago and Red Cross, but are there other partners that you all go to regularly for assistance? Uh, we go to the local police we go to all the local hospitals, and then we interact with our family, Catholic Charities, and mm -hmm. all the different great programs and resources that we have internally. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know you mentioned when we were talking earlier that there, there's a process of when you're uh, responding and taking someone someplace that maybe they have caseworkers on those on those locations. You guys aren't personally tasked with acting as caseworkers, even though it probably feels like you're doing a lot of <laughs> emotional and physical and uh, verbal support of clients, but. Um, is it often that when a caseworker at one of these locations where you deliver someone, is it often that they are referring clients back to uh, Catholic Charities, that those clients end up having needs that Catholic Charities can serve? Or Yes. Yeah. We also give resources. We have handouts that we give clients and give them the resources of Catholic Charities before they even interact with the shelter. So then once they get to the shelter, it's like a double whammy. Right. They're getting the information from the city, and then they already got the information from Catholic Charities. Is it I'm, I'm imagining, you know, you ladies work in the evening. Is it hard when you get home to sort of separate the emotion from what you did and then your pers own personal lives? Is that hard to separate all of that? At times it can be hard, but you just have to remember and know that you did everything you could to help this individual and you, this client, and it makes you make your day feel better. That's all you can do is one thing at a time, one step at a time. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> I, I also think, you know, you, you in a lot of ways provide spiritual support to people. I know that I've heard while you are in vans, you are providing, we've got this. It's going to be okay. We can do this together. And I think that that probably helps helps you as you go home. Yes, yes, it does. You're not just drivers and first responders. You're also spiritual guides. You are sometimes probably mothers, sisters. You are psychologists. You're social workers. You're um, maybe not doctors, but some... Comedians, uh, maybe. Comedians. 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 Yeah. <laughs> if you could share a little bit with the listeners, what are some of those hats that you wear? And wh what does that look like when you're in the car with someone? Lakeisha. Um, I can say that we're a counselor. Um, people just sometimes need someone to talk to. So we always provide a listening ear. And that goes with the intake process and the assessment process. So we can know which way to guide the client. Mm -hmm. And then faith 
as yeah. always, you know, spirituality is a, is a great thing to have. So we're always trying to encourage and have a positive attitude and to, to give that to the clients as well. Because I think, you know, you're meeting people in some of their most difficult moments, right? You know, Absolutely. they're 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 in crisis and there was nowhere else to turn other than 311. And to be able to be that listening ear and that compassionate um, voice gives me the goosebumps. And I'm I'm really glad to work <laughs> on a team with you guys. I'm going to call yeah. you next time I have a crisis. So do you ever see people down the road, maybe days, weeks, months, years, who you remember, you recognize that you've served in the past, but now they're in a, a better place. They're in a different situation. They've been benefited from your service and probably additional help from other people and you get to have those conversations and feel that victory and see that excitement in their life. Yes, we do. Matter of fact, I have encountered a young woman that she had like three kids and uh, we had took her to a shelter, but she did come back. I say it had to be like two to three months and she was like, oh, Mary, I got into, I have a job now. My kids are in a stable school. I'm in my own apartment. It might not be furnished. I'm like, girl, that's okay. <laughs> you in your own place. Yeah. That's what counts. And you have your kids together. And she said, yes. I'm so thankful for Catholic Charities. Matter of fact, she had left home at the age of 16 and never returned and was going from shelter to shelter. Then we enhanced her with all these programs. But yes, that was the time that I felt like, oh, that's, that is definitely a blessing. The kids was nice and clean and she was just totally so happy. That's amazing. Mary. Yeah. I think that bit of intervention that you were able to give and that compassion and that dignity you were able to give back really does change lives. I think that's amazing. Yeah, about, she came about, in there, Mother Mary, Mother <laughs> Mary, I got my own place. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. You need to have t-shirts made with that. <laughs> so how about you, Lakeisha? Do you have a story that is similar, maybe a, a positive, uh, a good result with a, with a client or maybe a, a good result on a call, on a response? Um, a lot of times it's with the senior well-beings because sometimes you go in thinking the worst yeah. and we end up knocking on the door and the client is like, oh, my phone was just in my bedroom. And so <laughs> we end up getting to call the client back or the requester of the case and let them know that their mother or grandmother is okay and she just misplaced the phone and everybody's heart is at ease once they know nothing is bad has happened to their loved ones. So yeah. that's always yeah. a great outcome of a, a case. Yeah. Yes. Do, do you maybe yes. have a challenging story, Mary? where uh, the the call, the response was difficult. It really stuck with you for a long time. Yes. Well, once when we went on a, a senior well-being check, we had a gentleman that was, uh, we actually was able to look through the window and we seen him laying on the floor. You remember that? Mm -hmm. We saw him laying on the floor and we like, oh my God, you know, leave this person is really, so we went through the procedures of calling 911. They came out, then the ambulance came out, and they went to open up the window. They knocked, gentlemen never moved. Our hearts was in our stomach. The gentleman never moved. They let up the windows, and they were steadily calling his name then, and he just jumped up. <laughs> <laughs> he just jumped up and said, what is it? And, you know, we, we were just in dismay. We could not oh, believe it that yeah. he was fine. He said, well, I was just tired, and, and I just decided to lay here and take a nap. <laughs> But you all felt better once you knew. Yes, we sure. felt much better once we knew. I'm sure yeah. the loved ones did as well. Yes. Yeah. Look, Keisha, what would you like our listeners to know about homelessness in Chicago or the kind of work that you do? What is it important for folks who don't know anything about this world to know? Um, 
homelessness does not stop. It doesn't matter because it's a holiday. It doesn't matter that it's cold outside. And here at Catholic Charities, the mobile reach, we don't stop. We're 24 hours, seven days, 365. We have dedicated um, employees here that do the best we can with the resources that we have. That's amazing. And I mean, truly, you don't stop. I know during polar vortexes, Thanksgiving, Christmas, mobile outreach is always open and always moving. I yes. think that's yes. amazing. Yes, we are. Yes. Mary, how about you? What is it that you'd want folks to know about homelessness in Chicago? That homelessness is real and it's out there. And we need all the help from any any individuals that would like to contribute things to them. If you see someone on the street, if you see that they not don't have clothes or coat on or whatever, please call in and let someone know. Because Catholic Charity has many a programs that we can assist them. If you don't call in and help, we will never know. We do our sweeps. We go to our interventions. We go to our hospitals. We go to our police stations. But still, we need to help other people as well. One, one, of the, one of the numbers that I saw to, to talk about this a little bit on one of our fact sheets was that a third of the homeless clients that are responding to are under age 18, and 30% of those are age 5 and under. So what is that like to so often be interacting with homeless children? That is just has to be heartbreaking. Yes, it is yes. heartbreaking. Um, but with the youth, we do have uh, specialized shelter just for them. So sometimes the youth... Do not know that. And so we have um, shelters that we can take them to that they won't have to be bombarded with the real world, as we say, you know. So this is guided to help them that has day programs and things of that nature. So the help is out there. Just reach out and um, ask for it, and we'll be there to assist. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Lakeisha and Mary. It takes a very special kind of person to do what you both do, and we're really grateful for your work and for taking the time to be here with us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's an honor to call both of you colleagues, and we wish you continued success in the life-saving work that you both do. Thanks to Lakeisha and Mary for the great outreach they do on behalf of Catholic Charities. And a reminder that you can find out more about the outreach and ministries of Catholic Charities by going to catholiccharities.net. Perhaps you saw on the news this past week the wonderful announcement about a partnership between the Archdiocese of Chicago and the Big Shoulders Fund. We'll hear from our Catholic school superintendent and the Big Shoulders Fund CEO when we come back. There is so much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facility. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home-delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review, where you can hear highlights of local Catholic radio programs that can be enjoyed Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning at 7.50 a.m. The big news for our Catholic schools this week is a partnership between the Archdiocese of Chicago and the Big Shoulders Fund, a partnership that will help ensure the continuing mission of 30 schools for the next 10 years. 
Catholic Chicago host Mark Teresi visited with Chicago Catholic School Superintendent Dr. Jim Rigg and Big Shoulders Fund CEO Josh Hale about this historic agreement. The Archdiocese of Chicago and Big Shoulders Fund, they've announced that the Big Shoulders Fund will donate $47.5 million and the Archdiocese of Chicago will partner in providing $44.9 million to help ensure the continuing mission of 30 schools over 10 years. The schools, mainly on Chicago's south and west side, serve 5,600 children, their families, and their communities. <coughs> to discuss this partnership, we're happy to have in the studio today uh, from the CEO of Big Shoulders, Josh Hale, who has been with them, Big Shoulders, probably, what, 205, since 205? Yeah, right. So he has a long commitment to Big Shoulders, and we'll ask him to give you a thumbnail on that. And also our superintendent of Catholic schools, Dr. Jim Riggs. So welcome to the studio, both of you gentlemen. And maybe I'll start with Josh. Josh, could you give our listeners a little thumbnail on Big Shoulders? I'd be happy to. Mark, thanks very much for um, having me here today, and it's great to be with, as always, my friend Jim Rigg, and uh, when we're talking about inner-city Catholic education or Catholic education writ large, um, it's good news. The um, So Big Shows Fund was founded really at the inspiration and leadership of uh, Cardinal Bernadine, and he um, he really took the initiative in saying these inner-city Catholic schools provide a great service, certainly for the church, but even more, perhaps, in many ways, in, in the service of the church to those in under-resourced communities. And so he went out to the, the uh, business and civic community and really talked to each one of them. And he brought people in from certainly the, the Catholic community, but also the broader community, um, non-Catholics and Catholics alike, to build an independent foundation that would be set up forever to raise funds and to support uh, these Catholic schools. And the Catholic schools that we support historically, it was Catholic schools in the city of Chicago uh, were 20% or more living in poverty and that are Title I eligible and participating, I meaning it's a high-need area. And, you know, it's evolved a little bit to include some other schools, but that was the kind of the general premise of the, of the program. And to date, amazingly, we've raised over $400 million Wonderful. and uh, been around since 1986. And uh, with this new commitment, you know, we uh, we got to get hustling again to raise some more funds and awareness, but um, also it ensures a continued partnership with the Archdiocese and um, – you know, I think that in this this uh, this investment with the archdiocese, which is historic in its own right, um, is going to be is going to give a lot of hope not only here in Chicago and the communities affected by this investment, but I think for the church across the country, this is this is this is big news. This is good news for uh, Catholic education. And what about uh, the origins of that idea? I'm fascinated, especially in terms of lay leadership in the church. How? Just uh, very briefly, and then we'll get into um, this relationship. But how did this idea happen? You know, it was it was uh, it's it, when you really get in the, the weeds of it. It mm-hmm. was actually about uh, two years of discussion before Big Shoulders Fund was created. Cardinal Bernadine went to um, really four individuals: uh, Barry Sullivan, Ed Steffen, Annie McKenna, and uh, Jim O'Connor. And um, two of those gentlemen have deceased, but uh, Jim O'Connor still are our uh, founding chairman and co-chair today, and Annie McKenna is still a vice chair. And they have been involved uh, since day one. But they, those four sat with Cardinal Bernadine and would meet on a regular basis for breakfast and talk and talk and talk about how to build this. And they said that uh, Cardinal Bernadine was re- relentless in this, you know, we got to find a way, we got to find a way. And the idea first, uh, he said, we need to raise a $100 million endowment. And they all said, well, that's a, that's a huge number. It's a big mm-hmm. number today, never mind back in the early 80s. Right. But 
he was persistent. And while that, you know, it didn't manifest itself into a, 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 the initial idea of a hundred million dollar endowment, um, it did over time build into something. And then, in fact, their first fundraising goal, which I think you can find in the Tribune, was to raise something like five or ten million dollars over a five or ten year period. And in the first couple of years, they raised a lot more than that. I think they knew at that point that the interest in the Catholic schools serving under-resourced communities was something of great import to uh, those in the Catholic Church, but also to the broader civic community. Exactly. And that invited all sorts of lay leadership from the church, for, certainly uh, lay men and women in the Catholic Church, but also you know, people from all different faith backgrounds saying, hey, this is, this is this pretty important what the Catholic Church is doing. We want to be a part of it. Now, what about that discussion, Dr. Jim? Uh, this new idea of combining resources and making a commitment to 30 schools, how did that conversation begin? Yeah, so as, as Josh has already described, we have had a 30-plus year relationship with Big Shoulders, and Big Shoulders has so generously supported our schools and our families for so long that this uh, new agreement that was uh, just announced yesterday uh, is really the next step in the evolution of our relationship. So um, about a year, year and a half ago, uh, we began talking with the Big Shoulders Fund about how we could come together in a new way to even better support Catholic schools, support them financially, give them some security for the future in spite of the demographic changes around many of these schools and uh, in some ways part of the you know inevitable financial pressures that many of our schools experience and how Big Shoulders could get even more engaged and involved with their expertise and human resources in our schools. And so uh, that kind of triggered uh, several months of, of great discussion with Josh and his team that culminated in what we see as an incredibly exciting and beneficial new agreement. And as Josh has said, you know, our, our Catholic schools are just such an important part of the social fabric of greater Chicago. Uh, I'm here in part, you know, I moved here uh, four years ago uh, because I wanted to be part of the archdiocese. It has long been known as a hotspot for Catholic education, as a place of excellence and success and innovation. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a, a, a wonderful partner like Big Shoulders for us to really live out uh, this mission. And so we, I mean, this is, as Josh said, is just a great moment, I think, for the archdiocese, for Big Shoulders, for the Catholic Church uh, on a national and even international scale. Now, you know, just to go back on yeah. that, because I think it's, you know, Jim talked about the getting together early. And I, I really think that the, um, you know, there was the amount of work that went into this. One, you had you built on a 34-some-year you know, relationship. This is, I don't think someone just dropping out of the sky could right. do this with. Right. But I also think that uh, Jim and I would, every two weeks, would meet for breakfast and talk about this over and over again. And then we invited in some of our team. And we really had architected it out. And then, you know, lawyers helped us to kind of figure out how to then to make this all work in it. It's a very thoughtful agreement that um, creates, I think, a real significant model, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And I, I look across the country and how many, you know, you said working in different dioceses or archdioceses around the country, how many have lost their inner city schools or significantly cut them. And to have this many schools serving this number of students, I think is a, a real, um, and for the archdiocese here in this cardinal to commit over a 10-year period this level of funding, that is historic, and I think it's going to be um, ripple effects, certainly in the broader community, but in the church itself. And I think, I hope that inspires, you know, a lot of what um, Pope Francis is talking about and, and so many others are. If you want to hear that entire conversation or any of our local Catholic radio programs live or at your convenience, go to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. Thanks for listening to us every Saturday morning. 
here on Relevant Radio, 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Jim Dish for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.